welcome to another brand new episode of T Watches a Scary Movie. I, of course, am T, and we're talking scary movies. As always, I appreciate y'all joining us here Wednesday nights, 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, here on our YouTube page, which is youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds Scary Movie. Yeah, uh, make sure that you like and you subscribe to the page just because you'll get the alerts for when the new episodes go up. Yes, we obviously do them on Wednesdays, but the thing is, if you subscribe, you're going to get the up-to-date notices for when the things like that goes up or when I put up any other videos like unboxing videos, food reviews, stuff like that. But again, you got to go. You got to like and subscribe to the YouTube page, which is youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds Scary Movie. And if you want to watch our watch parties with us, Wednesday nights we pick out a movie, usually has to do with the show, and then we check that out together. We have a nice chat going, have some fun. Wednesday nights that happens after the new episodes. And then Saturday nights we do our scary TV watch parties. We watch a lot of old school scary TV shows and have some fun with some music videos and commercials from old school days as well too. Now here in the month of March, we will be doing our scary TV watch parties on Thursdays as Saturdays are just not good for me for this month. We'll hopefully get back to that in April, but we're going to do our TV watch parties on Thursdays moving forward. And if you want to be alerted for when those are happening, get your links for that as well. You gotta go to the Facebook page. We're having a great time there. Not just talking about the watch parties we have coming up, but also being able to discuss a lot of good questions I put up every day as well too. And that page is facebook.com slash groups slash T scary movie. Again, facebook.com slash groups slash T scary movie. Go there, join the group for T watches a scary movie and you can get alerted for all the fun things we're going to be doing together. We actually just got done watching the new wrong turn right before this episode came on. And after the episode is over, we're going to be watching Hunter Hunter, the two films that we're going to be discussing during this episode today as well. Wow. Uh, man, I got some exciting stuff coming up for y'all for sure. Uh, it was nice to be able to watch a lot of new movies recently. You know, last episode, we did the Nick Cage horror films, Color Out of Space, Mandy, and Willy's Wonderland. And... It was kind of weird to watch that many new horror films in a row. And then I saw Wrong Turn and then trying to figure out a theme that would go along with the new Wrong Turn. It's like, oh, well, everybody's been talking about Hunter Hunter. And, you know, it's kind of in the backwoods. It's a horror film. So it would fit that as well, too. Let's go ahead and just talk Hunter Hunter as well. And so it's been nice to watch a lot of new horror movies like that has been really really fun and good horror movies at that too um haven't really had any duds to check out and i'm excited because you know if things keep getting better this year we still have a lot of fun coming out i mean keep in mind Candyman's still coming we got spiral from the book of saw coming there is a lot of fun stuff still in store for us this year but the focus of tonight's episode i had watched the new wrong turn film and uh, I figured, all right, we need to go with a theme. Because initially, I was going to talk about Psycho Gorman as well. But I decided I want to save that just because it doesn't really fit in with the other two films that I would be talking about. So I, I had to think, what else? What else could go along with Wrong Turn and kind of fit the same category? And I wanted it to be something new just because, 
uh, I needed something new. I needed something to reinvigorate me, something to uh, excite me about watching horror right now just because kind of in a bit of a dead period. I need a bit of a rejuvenation. And I've been hearing about Hunter Hunter. I follow Devin Sala on Twitter. And uh, people are just in love with that film. And what I've been hearing besides the fact that it was good is just that the ending was apparently one of the most shocking things ever. And I figured that would fit in perfectly to go with Wrong Turn. And I'm so excited to, uh, to talk about both of these films. So let's get it started off with Wrong Turn 2021. And I'd like to start this by bringing up the fact that we're finally in a time period to where when we say 20 years ago, we mean the start of the new millennium. And that scares the hell out of me we're old we're old it wasn't supposed to happen this quick and i bring up that fact because in 2003 almost 20 years ago alan b malkaroy wrote a memorable horror film about a group of young adults who after taking a back end road end up taking a wrong turn only to be hunted by a group of inbred cannibals uh it starred buffy alum eliza dushku and Dexter star Desmond Harrington, uh, or Ghost Ship, whatever you want to remember him from. Uh, and it took inspirations from classics such as The Hills of Eyes and The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which, if you remember, also both of those series had films out in theaters, either at the time or uh, coming soon, as well as sequels and prequels. So uh, the whole backwoods horror kind of thing was really getting a resurgence in the early 2000s. And Wrong Turn was a brutal, scary film that made it clear you don't ever want to end up too far out in the woods. Um, like, if you're the camping type, if you're the, the kind of likes to go hiking and stuff like that, like, yeah, maybe stay to more populated areas, which I know defeats the purpose, but living, populated areas, maybe not as beautiful scenery versus uh, better views, inbred cannibals, murder, rape, all that kind of stuff choice is kind of clear to me i'm a city boy <laughs> um but not only that it also uh lets you know that if you owned uh if you owned one of multiple airbuds you don't want to be in a horror movie in the early 2000s uh seriously i'm not kidding kevin uh kevin zegers from airbud uh multiple airbud movies uh was in dawn of the dead and he was in uh here in wrong turn and he was in a few other horror movies at the time, too. And, man, it did not pay to be him in these horror films. They did Things did not go well for him at all, which is kind of funny thinking about that. Now, Wrong Turn had five sequels. And uh, all of them were direct-to-video. None, uh, none of them got theatrical releases like the original one. That was the only one they got through. The rest of them were... For the most part, pretty poor quality. There were a lot of interesting ideas in some of them, but the series had grown stagnant and stale. Like, think of it like Friday the 13th, okay? You're not expecting it to reinvent the wheel. There's not going to be some big revelation with it. It's just the idea that Jason's walking around in a hockey mask and these kids stupidly ended up at Camp Crystal Lake. Let's see the different ways he's going to kill them. You're not watching for story. Uh, but the thing is, is that our tolerance for films like that, I feel, 
uh, definitely went went out like in the 90s. Like the 90s made it clear that we don't have tolerance for those kind of things anymore. Like that was big in the 70s and the 80s, and we just want something else to be excited for and have a villain to uh, you know to root for, root against, whatever you want to do. But these days, we actually want like good sequels. And the series definitely exhausted itself for sure. Excuse me. Um, and as we come out on the other side of this pandemic, Alan B. McElroy, uh, the writer and director of the original film, decided he was going to reboot the series. And he makes it effectively clear that we're done taking wrong turns. We're back on the main path. No more hill hillbilly cannibals. We're back to uh, having a clear-cut focus in some direction with this series. And it works. You know, whether this is a case of exhaustion to where uh, those of us who have seen, you know, the original Wrong Turn and maybe some of the sequels were just tired of this story and needed something different, something that would still shock us but would still be a lot of fun to watch. Or maybe it's the fact that it's uh, a horror movie might be better if you have an actual villain to put your aim into uh put your hate into to be scared of like in the original wrong turn yeah there's there's this family of, of uh inbred cannibals who are hunting our main characters down but it, it's kind of like you don't hate them not not as that you have sympathy for them or anything like that i don't know if you're kind of getting what i'm saying but it's just like they're nameless faces we don't we don't know anything about them uh there's there's no backstory or anything like that they're not weak villains by any means i mean they they do what a horror movie needs them to do but it's not like it's not like you get to know those villains in the least bit and a lot of times somebody like freddy freddy might be a little bit more relatable because he can actually conversate with our characters um same with somebody like pinhead or, or something like that as well too uh but you can't do that with jason you can't really do that with michael myers and um giving us some clear-cut villains that we actually can get some characters from and the foundation did a lot for it. It, it did quite a lot for this film. Um, a, it, it's a little bloated. It's definitely a little bloated to say the least, but I, I don't know if I minded that so much. And I'll explain why as we get into it, uh, there's, there's a pretty specific point I have to bring up about that later, but the story is simple. A group of friends hiking the Appalachian Trail take a wrong turn and are confronted by the Foundation, a community of people who have lived in the mountains for hundreds of years. It's worth mentioning that if you've seen the original film, your enjoyment of this is likely going to be based on how quickly you can let go of waiting for it to revert to the series' old tricks. And I say that because before I saw this film, I had already heard there's nothing to do with inbred cannibals in it, nothing at all. And uh, somebody had described it as you kind of are on the edge of your seat waiting for one of them to show up. And they're not wrong. And whether that was intentional or not, I love that feeling that the original series is so far removed from this reboot that all this bad stuff is happening. We have very capable villains on screen. Terrible things are happening to our protagonists. And yet you're still kind of worried, okay, is this going to be... When suddenly a cannibal shows up. Is this when one comes from around the corner and scares the shit out of all of us, you know? And it never happens. And that's so good. Uh, because if you can let that go, there's a lot to like about this movie. Our main group of characters, uh, going against the point I'm making, are actually largely unlikable. At least in the first half of this film. 
And that actually plays into the moral ambig uh, ambiguity that the film presents because as we start losing characters, like any typical horror film, in a lot of other series, you feel bad for them, uh, for the characters you're watching. You really feel that this shouldn't be happening to them. You know, you, you have sympathy for them. You wish you could do something to help them out. And in this film, you're kind of like, yeah, y'all kind of deserve this bullshit. Like, you've kind of brought this all onto yourself. And the bad guys aren't exactly, uh, like, they're, they're kind of justified in the actions that they're taking against you right now. Um, which I don't want to give, I don't want to give a lot away, but I love that that was such a big, a big part of this series is that, uh, it seemed very intentional to make our protagonists not, not fun characters, not characters you actually enjoy until the tables are kind of turned a little bit later. And that feeds into the fact that at 109 minutes, wrong turn feels like two movies. The first half being the traditional horror horror movie story storytelling. These kids ended up someplace that they weren't supposed to be. And due to a number of events, uh, they all start getting killed one by one. And the first half set, uh, like definitely commits to setting up a sense of hopelessness that eventually endures us to those characters when we get to the second half of that film. And it succeeds so much that by the time we get to the halfway point, you feel like you've watched an entire film. Um, when I got through halfway through the movie and I, I paused it really quickly to go to the bathroom, I was only expecting there to be like 10 to 15 minutes left in the film because the first half of the movie is set up and paced so well, you're getting a full movie. It's kind of like death proof. Have you ever seen uh, the half of the Grindhouse film uh, by Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez came out, you know, forever ago? Um, the theatrical version of Death Proof isn't that good. It, it, it's short, and the stories of these two group of girls who are being menaced by the same killer, it's just not enough. It, 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 it plays out very terribly, and if you've heard me talk about it, the theatrical version is absolute garbage. But in the director's cut, Tarantino gets to add back in all this footage that he originally wanted to be released in that version, and man... Does it make a difference? Because then the film gets broken up into two films. The first half is a true horror movie with this killer stalking these girls. And the second half is basically this revenge action flick where, you know, this killer tries the same thing, but instead these girls aren't having it. And that's kind of like how Wrong Turn is as well, too, is that the first film is this traditional horror film. And it's it's scary. You know, uh, all these bad things are happening. There's a sense of dread to it. And the second half kind of plays a bit like a revenge film. It feels it feels like a bit more of an action suspense than a horror one. And that's just such a great sign of a great script, honestly, because they it, it's paced out so well. We're getting two entirely different movies in just one film. And not only that, but the villains are written great as well, too. I mentioned it earlier, but, you know, we actually can put faces to them. We can put a voice to them, put thoughts to him as opposed to the original film and we're actually conflicted at least in the first first part of the movie about whether or not we actually can condemn the things that they're doing and again i don't want to spoil anything because this movie just came out so doesn't it beat the 10 10 year rule at all but you will feel some conflict over what the villains of this movie end up doing honestly uh and our heroes also get a chance to make up for the characterization in the second half of the film because once everything gets reversed, um, they they all shed 
everything that we didn't like about them because I don't like I, I don't like pretty much anything about our protagonists in the first half of the film. And in the second half, all of that just completely goes away and they all become so different characters. And a big thing that stood out in this movie is that there's a clear passage of time in it. And I said this movie seems very much like it's two films put together. And part of the reason why, besides the fact that it's paced so well, is that it takes place over the course of a few weeks. And that's not rare. I mean, uh, a defining trait of horror films typically is they take place over a short period of time. One night, a few hours. That's the majority of horror films that we uh, that we see. Um, and there are there's still a good chunk out there, you know, that take place uh, uh, over the course of a month, over the course of several months, um, over the course of seven days. You know, uh, so there is a small portion of horror movies that get these long periods of time to take place of, uh, take place across. But I feel like a lot of times you don't notice how long that whole ordeal is taking and you're not really concerned about it. Wrong turn actually adds a lot to the despair that the whole movie is slinging by taking place over the course of weeks that knowing that our our protagonists are going through this terrible ordeal over the course of numerous weeks and it actually like as i get older uh the one thing that i didn't do as a kid was think about ptsd and the aftermath and what somebody's mental health might be like after they face off against a serial killer or you know escape a monster or something like that and i couldn't help but think about that in wrong term like jesus christ what's happening to these characters after going through something like this they are scarred for the rest of their lives and it gives me such an appreciation actually really enough for the scream series because i feel that sydney prescott went through all the phases of shit for somebody uh shit somebody shouldn't have to go through uh now the talk about scares wrong turn doesn't offer that much in the jump scare category uh, those are the tricks of the original series. Instead, Wrong Turn uh, decides to go for like slow building tension. And man, does that get released in some huge spurts, which sounds really sexual and that's not the point of it. But that's the, that's the best way to describe it, though, is that um, you, you keep like watching it. And it's like something bad's going to happen. Something bad's going to happen. Something bad's going to happen. Something bad happened. And that's the way it really plays itself off throughout the entire film. And I don't think most horror, uh, horror movies are like that, honestly, just because um, usually we get a break. Like we get something bad, get a chance to relax, and then, you know, then you get set up for something again. And wrong turn, I feel like something bad happens. You're sinking and it's getting worse. And then something worse happens. And that's just this movie throughout the entire course of it honestly there's there's some goodness in there in terms of like okay i get a little bit of a relief from just this pit of despair not a lot <laughs> um and, and 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 there are some brutal deaths there might not be inbred cannibals in this film but some of the deaths in here are incredibly tough and hard and mean and each one of them holds a lot of significance because they're played 
for some big character beats, honestly. Um, there was maybe one death in the film that's like, okay, that didn't really have too much of an impact on our main characters. But outside of that one death, every other one like played a pretty significant role in development for uh, the our, our protagonists in the film, honestly. And again, it's nice to watch a movie to where our villains, you know, the foundation, they're cunning, they're mean, and they're always a step ahead of our heroes. And the handling of our heroes and the aftermath that follows them, uh, like I said, you can't help but think about the trauma and how somebody would move on having any kind of normal life after experiencing something like this. Uh, make no mistake, Wrong Turn has some gory kills, and it doesn't skip on the extremes that the original film went through either. But it's a night and day difference from uh, saws, axes, and high-powered crossbows. Check it out. And that brings us to our second film tonight. Joseph and his family live in the remote wilderness of Canada as fur trappers. Their tranquility is broken, and their livelihood is threatened by the return of a rogue wolf. And Joseph leaves his family behind in order to track it and save everything this is hunter hunter now i heard rumblings about this film for the last couple of months uh on twitter i love twitter um and it's it's actually super good for horror fans like it's much better than facebook i feel because i i feel facebook especially like in the last five years has just become a hotbed of fake news about horror movies like I, I'm sure everybody's seen those posts where, like, it's a bunch of, like, fake posters for sequels that are not even close to being in development right now. And people just love putting them up. Like, usually it's, like, Beetlejuice 2. And uh, it'll be, like, the next 28 Days Later film. And shit like that that is not in the works at all. And um, I feel like Twitter, Twitter is very sensible about horror movies. They either tell you it's really, really good or it's a piece of shit. And I had been hearing about this movie, nothing but good things for a little bit. And the one specific thing I was hearing was that the ending of this film is the most shocking ending that's been in a horror film in a long, long time. And we're going to get to that. I didn't know what this movie was about. I didn't see the trailer, uh, so as I was watching it, I, I I was trying not to think of, but I was having a hard time not thinking about movies like uh, The Grey or The Edge. You know, films to where a small group gets stranded in the wilderness for one reason or another, and, you know, they're trying to get back to civilization, but between them and civilization is a wolf, or it's a bear, or, you know, it's a mountain lion, or some bullshit like that, basically. And, you know, the characters are pushed to to the brink, like they're pushed to like the, the end of their mental states. They have to become somebody else to survive this ordeal. But the thing is, you would be right to ignore films like that because um, movies like The Grey and like The Edge are very much also about the fight against the elements. Uh, the idea being it's like, OK, well, the wolf and the bear is just maybe like a manifestation of everything else because you're fighting you're fighting cold you're fighting the snow you're fighting hunger and thirst and all these things basically and that um the wolf the wolves and bear are just a physical manifestation for you to have something to fight while you're trying to fight god basically um 
And you really do want to ignore that because Hunter Hunter like tells its own tale about the things that man is fighting. And it keeps the story more on the like on a on a grounded scale than going for yeah, going for like these just very, very grandiose ideas that films like The Edge or The Grey had. And that's that's not a knock at all against it. I just mean that uh, those those movies were going for something very different from what we have here with Hunter Hunter. Now, uh, the Mersault family played, uh, that includes horror veteran Devin Sawa from, you know, Idle Hands, Final Destination, um, uh, Camille Sullivan from Man in the, uh, Man in the High Castle, and uh, Summer H. Howell from Cult of Chucky, uh, live on their own land, and as I mentioned before, they're fur trappers. So they have like this just big plot of land out in the wilderness. They uh, trap animals, they hunt, and then you know they sell the pelts of those animals. And this allows them to stay free of city life, and they have to scrounge for everything. You know, they're hunting their own meals, they're uh, collecting their own drinking water, and everything they do kind of provides financially for the family. And I know there's a lot of people who would say that's a dream, especially right now after the year that we've had. There's a lot of people who would actually look at the way the Mersault family is living and they would long for something like that. And the ability to carve out a life for you and your family and you don't have to be dependent on none of the distractions or vices that we might have out here in the lives that we currently live. And you don't have to interact that much with the day-to-day world. You can keep to yourself. You can have some quiet. It sounds fantastic. But then you have to consider the other part. You have a fragile balance, which makes that okay if you're going to live a life like that. You know, if you're truly going to live a life like that, then there's a very fragile balance to keep. You're kind of walking on a tightrope because if something comes into your world, to throw that out of whack like let's say you're a fur trapper and a wolf shows up that's something that could absolutely destroy that world for you and it's interesting to see the way that the different members of this family handle it Devin saw was joseph doesn't really say a lot uh we could tell that he's been through a lot in his life and there's something that he's had to suffer through you know um he, he, carry, he, he carries like a lot of pain around um, with his performance in this movie. And he definitely seems just untrustworthy of everything that's just back with a normal life. You know, it's, it's very clear that this is something that he felt a need to do. Something that uh, for his family to just pro- prosper or to, to survive, that they had to come out to this like remote existence. And... He's dealing with all of that, and now he's also fighting an overwhelming battle against an opponent that would absolutely harm his family. Uh, that would absolutely uh, harm his family. And Joe has to be tough and provide. And it's 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 so interesting to watch the the dichotomy of this character to have to be tough and has to be the provider and has to be the the teacher. You know, he he has all these roles. But then he also has the he has to pass all this on to his daughter. Um, and what's so interesting about that fact is there's the part there's a part in the film where uh, the the sheriff's like uh, the sheriff's asking about Joe and they mention uh, having a question about his son. 
and it becomes clear that like the results are so far removed from any sort of simple relationship with anybody that people don't even know that they have a daughter not a son and that still plays a lot in, into joe because who knows if that's something that they purposely said just to you know not give any information out there and the things that she's getting to do she's learning to hunt she's learning to trap she knows how to skin and clean an animal and she has to use that knowledge later on as you know their situation grows from bad to worse uh renee their daughter played by summer howell um she has to do all those things that joe's teaching her and it's interesting because as the wolf arrives she has to soak up all this knowledge and then kind of push that back out you know she's the one that has to tell her mom about wolves and the things that you know that might be helpful you have to watch out for what do you need, need to be scared of she's the one that has to uh you know show her mom how to skin and clean an animal and um yeah uh yeah like it, it, it's interesting because it might be easy to forget she's still a kid and summer plays it so earnestly uh she shows like a real fear when she gets faced against this wolf multiple times uh throughout this movie and she's tough like th this little girl is, is is not like any typical little girl you might be thinking of she's got a lot of strength to her um but it's so interesting to see how that flips the moment that the wolf shows up and poses a threat to her you know the star of the show is camille sullivan's Anne. Director and writer uh, Sean Lynn makes it clear that Anne and Joe's relationship has pretty defined roles. Uh, Anne shows a knack for first aid. Uh, she can run a household. She's there for educating Renee. And she does hunt as well, too. But it also lets us know how much Joe actually takes on and how much he takes care of his family. Because Renee, their daughter, ends up having to actually show Anne how to skin and clean an animal and also rely on a lot of Renee's knowledge to deal with the wolf. And I have to feel that that was intentional. Like Sean, Sean, the writer and director sets it up so well that she has to learn so much in a short period of time over the course of this movie. And Anne is the, is the front of it all. She's like our guiding force as we come to find out. And Camille Sullivan goes through a barrage of emotions over the course of this movie. Anne is strong as hell. Um, you can tell, like, she knows she has to be this rock for her family, for her husband, for her daughter. Yet, we can also understand why there's some things, like, it, it seems very clear she's willing to just, you know, like, relieve herself of and let her, uh, let her husband take care of. But... The, the 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 great thing about it what's super cool to see is that as the situation keeps getting worse and worse she keeps evolving to it she's almost like she's a very good uh uh not uh, she she's good to think under the pressure basically because things keep getting worse for this family over the course of this film and she keeps coming up with great ideas as these things keep happening and that kind of brings us to the ending because horror movie endings, I've said before, tend to fall in two fields, all right? Everything gets wrapped up with the good guys triumphing or the more common bad ending. Good guys don't win, all right? Simple as that. 
Now, we know that regardless of which way it goes, uh, we just want satisfaction, okay? We need it to be good. It's fine if Sidney Prescott can amass the killer and scream and save the day, but we just want that reveal of who the killer is and their motives to be satisfying, right? And Sarah can absolutely be hallucinating that she got out of the cave and she can still be surrounded by cave monsters and not actually out of the cave. That's a Descent reference, by the way, in case you're not getting it. That's all fine if we enjoy the character work and the journey that brought us there. I cannot, in good conscience, spoil the ending of Hunter x Hunter. But I have a number of thoughts on it. One, it has one of the most memorable endings in a horror film of all time. Of all time. That is a strong statement, but I have yet to speak to a person who has seen it and just was not like flabbergasted. And that is a word I rarely use. Flabbergasted. Um, two, it is completely and utterly unexpected. There is nothing. there. I will say, they do foreshadow it, and I cannot reference how it is foreshadowed after you see it. You will know how it's foreshadowed, but there is nothing that would tell you that that's where it's going. That's like saying, oh, the characters are wearing shoes. So when they get beat to death with a shoe at the end of the movie, obviously you should have seen that coming. That doesn't make any fucking sense. So I can't say what it is. It does get foreshadowed, but not really. All right. Number three, your jaw might actually drop. Mine did as the ending was happening and it's going and each second goes by. I found myself, what is happening? Wow. Yeah, uh, your, your jaw might actually drop from this. Um, and four, Camille Sullivan had some absolutely clutch character work. Absolutely clutch. That is the only way I can describe it, man. Everything that happens in this film, I mentioned it's a barrage, of, a barrage of emotion. But oh man, man is the payoff, is the ultimate payoff to this thing. So, so, so good. And I can't say anything else because again, it's going to spoil it. Um, Hunter Hunter, like Wrong Turn, doesn't really feature anything in the way of jump scares, okay? Um, that's not the kind of horror movie it is. And that might be nice to some of you because you might want to watch something to where it's, it's scary. It's, you know, there's an eerie feeling to it. There's a sense of dread, but you don't have to worry about, ah, it's out of nowhere. Don't get me wrong. The wolf in it is definitely creepy. And the latter half of this film has a great buildup with a lot of suspense. Um, Sean Linde put, uh, he really crafted something fantastic here. And it is very, very rare that you can watch a movie, I feel, especially a horror movie, and feel these are real uh, real people. They're not characters, they're actual people. And the Mersault family is one of the most well-written and believable families in a horror film I've seen in a long, long, long time. And one last thing to mention is that I love the decision to set most of the action in the day. Um, usually the idea is, is that bad things happen when the lights go down. You know, once you get to night, that's when terrible things are going on. You're supposed to be safe in the daytime. And 
I feel that that had to be to put us at unease because all these terrible things are just happening in the day. And I love the fact that our characters get no reprieve from anything because they're worrying in the night while they're dealing with these horror, hor horrible things during the day. And very cool to see Devin Sawa doing some dope shit because this is a very, very good movie and it's great to see him get that. And that's it, folks. That is Wrong Turn and Hunter Hunter. Check those out now. They are fantastic movies. That is going to do it for tonight's episode. Again, I appreciate you tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube page. Make sure that you check out the Facebook page. You can get the info on the watch parties. We got a great watch party coming up tonight. If you want to know what we're watching, make sure to go to Facebook and find our group T Watches a Scary Movie. Also, if you love tonight's episode, you can definitely check out other great episodes I have. We talked about Nicolas Cage horror movies right over here. You can subscribe to the page right down there. And you can see my interview with the host of Nia Has Questionable Taste, Miss Nia, right here. Watch those videos, y'all. I'm T. We've been talking scary movies. Stay scared.